Welcome to episode 266 of Crack the Customer Code. This episode was produced in a facility that also handles peanuts and soy. It's one thing to talk about great experiences, but it's quite another to talk about service that sparkles. <laughs> Jeannie, is it sparkle or is it glimmer? <laughs> I, I like thinking of sparkles as like a, you know, Tinkerbell fairy comes down and waves magic wand and everything gets all sparkly. Is that how you think about it? <laughs> okay, everybody, this is some roundabout way of Jeannie trying to tell you she's wearing glitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always. I don't Always. really Just understand it. Everything's sprinkled in glitter. No. <laughs> uh, but the reason we're talking about all of these uh, glimmery, lighty, shiny object type things is because our guest today is Chip Bell, who among his many books, and he is one of the most prolific authors in the customer experience and customer service space. Uh, w- one of his books is named Sparkle. So that's our little joke here today. But he Chip is-, is a great guy. He is. He's and so knowledgeable and just has been in the space for such a long time that I'm really thrilled he agreed to talk to little old us. I know. <laughs> I tell you what. So I think we should just get right to it. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah, we got this was a good conversation and uh, a deep conversation. So let's dig in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Chip? My pleasure. Chip R. Bell is a renowned keynote speaker and author of several best-selling books, including Take Their Breath Away, Managing Knock Your Socks Off Service, The Nine and a Half Principles of Innovative Service, and Sprinkles, Creating Awesome Experiences Through Innovative Service. His latest book is the best-selling Kaleidoscope, Delivering Innovative Service That Sparkles. Thus, our conversation. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait, I said the book was Sparkles, but it's really Sprinkles. Kaleidoscope. It's Sprinkles. Well, sprinkles. The next book, the Kaleidoscope <laughs> book, is the one that sparkles. That's right. I have you it get to... all straight now. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bell has appeared live on CNBC, Bloomberg TV, CNN, ABC, CBS, NPR Marketplace. <gasps> And his work has been featured in Fortune, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, USA Today, Business Week, Entrepreneur Magazine, CEO Magazine, Money Magazine, and Fast Company. So we are delighted that he is here with us today. We are thrilled to have you here, Chip. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Jeannie. It's exciting to be here for me, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chip. So happy to have you. I'm ready to jump, jump right in here. Now, we often hear about innovation in the context of technology or business processes, but you talk about innovative service. And I want to dig in. Why do you feel innovation is so crucial for organizations when it comes to customer experience or customer service? Well, I think, first of all, uh, customers' expectations are a lot higher than they've ever been. And uh, when they go to Disney World, they come back and talk to your receptionist. Um, you know, when I watch the FedEx guy walk in a hurry to deliver my package, I look through different lens at the postal service. So I think anytime customers have great experience, they generalize it to everybody. And so that elevates their expectations. Um, so, but the other side to that, the reason I think innovative service is so important is most organizations know they're supposed to exceed the customer's expectations, those expectations that are getting higher. Uh, And they typically do that through what I call value added. We've heard all the time. We're going to have value added, value added. 
The problem with that is, is if they uh, add value added means taking what the customer expects and adding more. And the problem with that is I show up next time, I'm going to expect even more and then more and then more. And pretty soon you run out of room uh, and you can actually go bankrupt trying to one up the last experience. I talk about value unique and value unique is the unexpected experience, the unique, the surprising experience. Uh, there's nothing wrong with value added. It's just it has that limitation. So while there may be a limited number of ways in which we can be generous, I think there's unlimited ways to be ingenious and value unique is looking for that unique, unusual, unexpected, surprising experience, simple, but unexpected. And that takes innovation. That takes people on the front line being able to think more ingeniously, more creatively about how to make that experience something that gets people talking. I love that. I love that. And I I agree that innovation and being ingenious about things is such a critical part of any customer experience. But why do you think most organizations don't think this way? They don't think in terms of innovation in the area of service. Well, I think, so, first, of, first of all, that's a great question, Jenny. I think, first of it, there is a belief that says, uh, if I provide good experience, good good service, that should be enough. Um, the problem is with that is, or even great service, I should provide great service to that. The problem with that is people don't talk about it. You know, we don't go out and talk about good service anymore. You know, it's got to be unique, uh, different for them to have uh, something they can remark about. I talk about remarkable service is one that generates a a remark from the customer. And it's more than just, a, you know, I would recommend you go there. It's the kind of, you're not going to believe what happened to me. It's a story that often is linked to that experience that tends to create um, advocates, which then um, becomes sort of an extension from of your sales and marketing effort. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't want my customers to just come back. I want them to bring all their friends. And again, that kind of unique experience that, in, that, that creates a story is one that helps do that. I think most organizations sort of miss that. Mm-hmm. The other side to it is to that question is, what does that mean as a leader if I'm going to have employees that, ha- that I trust enough and give the authority to make those unique and unusual experiences on the front line. It's easier if it's all regimented. It's easier if it's always consistent, always the same. You know, I can predict that. And a lot of times people in senior leadership roles kind of like predictability. They like it always, let's take all the variants out. Um, The problem with that is it tends to commoditize service. And again, it's like, okay, good, not bad, but certainly not something I'm going to remark about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how you talk about sales and marketing being part of that and everybody being a part of that. It's not just an innovation department. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It needs to be everybody. And you're looking for a balance, right? I mean, you're looking for a certain level of consistency, but a certain level of the ability to improvise in the moment and deliver those moments, right? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously some level of consistency gives us, gives, gives, makes a brand a brand. You know, what, what the brand is, uh, you know, the whole concept of brand is is all about uh, a sense of I recognize it. I know it. I can identify it. There are things that are consistently uh, Starbucks there are consistently uh, McDonald's or whatever. And so there is that side of predictability. But the other side to it is if you go back to branding, which is always a fun topic to talk about, its origin came from the cattle industry. 
you know, we had open ranges and all those cows, you know, grazed on the same property. And, you know, it came time to go to market. It's going to go, how do I identify a, a particular cow? And they, that hot tattoo was a technique to do that before, long before we had fences that would segregate uh, cows. Um, but the, the thing we sometimes remember, and so we took brand to mean I can identify. You know, I see the golden arches. I don't have to go wonder who that is. You know, it's something I can identify as McDonald's. What we forget sometimes is it was more than just the identification of a cow. It was my cow. It's, it had a sense of ownership about it. And so I think great service can create a sense of it's not just Starbucks. I can recognize it's being Starbucks. It's my Starbucks. It's something I feel a sense of ownership with. And I think that takes the kind of emotional connection with the customer to build that kind of affinity that says, you know, it's mine. It's not just one I recognize. And so the concept of emotional uh, ownership, um, you know, what do I, what does it take to get them to wear my jacket or wear my, you know, a Bass Pro Shop hat or a Harley jacket or whatever? It is the sense of, I want that customer to have such a deep identification with me emotionally that they feel an emotional tie. So that's part of it as well. And you don't get that from consistency. Consistency creates the base upon which you can build that, but that comes from personalization. That comes from emotional connections and, you know, interacting with people, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we, we think, you know, a lot of organizations have gone, I think, mechanized it to the point where it's, it's homogenized it. It's sort of made it all plain vanilla. And a good example of that is I remember 10 years ago, there was a time in which, you know, you would go to, um, to, to the gate agent to get your boarding pass. And you say, I'd hope I'm getting up in first class and, and uh, well, I'll do my best. And you just kind of hang around and hope Miss Jenny on the, and the gate agent would call your name. And when, when you heard that name called, you'd get all excited. You've got, you got a new boarding pass. You were going to get to sit in first class. You tell everybody, I got upgraded. And you were thrilled. Well, not anymore. They've mechanized it. Now you don't talk to Miss Jenny at the gate attendant. You watch a monitor, and if your name comes up, then all of a sudden now when you go ahead and board, board with first class, and then you get a boarding pass that gives you an assigned seat. Well, all the emotional connection out of Miss Jenny and the fact that I had a great experience now has been turned back to we want a consistent way of managing all that's just a simple example to say you know we know that organizations that don't have an emotional connection with their customer tend to lose market share they become commoditized and fight over price you know and and they and and, and they, they tend to lose and so it's maintaining that kind of high touch side with customers to create that kind of con- emotional connection and again value unique helps do that all right. Well, I just like that we moved from cattle to domestic air travel because I think there's, there, there's a, <laughs> to, to modern day cattle cars. Yeah, you see, we. I want to get to uh, speaking. You know, we've been uh, sort of uh, talking about these different brands that are executing these things that are, um, you know, are value unique. And you have a great example in the Hotel Monaco, yeah. and uh, you talk about the 40 strategy. So tell us all about the cool things Hotel Monaco is doing and. Uh, why? Uh, how they are just ruling with value unique? Well, and they're they're also being really successful. That's the most important part. They're owned by <laughs> right now. They're Intercontinental. They're owned by Intercontinental, but Intercontinental smart enough to let the Kempton Group be the Kempton Group. And uh, Kempton uh, Hotel Monaco is one of their brands. 
I'm a huge fan. And and what they have targeted, like many middle price hotels, Marriott, Sher- Sheridan, Hilton, Doubletree, they tend to have the business traveler is the bread and butter. I mean, we serve every lots of people on vacation or whatever, but they depend on that business traveler. And they rec- Hotel Monaco or Kempton Group recognize people like me who travel every week, you know, they all tend to run together. They sort of be, they're good, you know, Sheridan, Hilton, Hyatt, Doubletree, they're all, they're all good, but they all kind of look the same, feel the same, and they aren't particularly memorable in terms of their experience. So they said, what can we do to create a unique experience? And so they, they have crafted an experience. So there, there are things like, you know, most of the time you go to a hotel, you open the closet door, hanging in the closet is a bathrobe, and I can bet you 50 bucks it's going to be white. I mean, it's boring. It's white. Not in the Hotel Monaco. <laughs> it's leopard or zebra print. Woo. Uh, dang. And there's a yoga mat. In, in, the, in the closet. Now, how many hotels put a yoga mat in there, or fluffy bedroom shoes, and, you know, you go in the bathroom, they never know what kind of unique things, you know, turn down service. They put they don't put the mint. You know, that's boring. You don't tweet about, I got a mint on my pillow at turn down. At the Hotel Monaco, you, you know, you never know what's going to be there. I've gotten a flower, a foreign coin, a yo-yo, a gazoo, a bag of popcorn, um, lottery ticket. I mean, you can't wait to get back to turn down and see what they put on your pillow. Well, that's all any of these little simple ways. But my favorite is there are pet-friendly hotels. They say in their ads, if you can get your pet through the front door, they're welcome. So, you you, you know, your draft might be off limits, but your Shetland pony's welcome. And so they're, they're <laughs> pet-friendly. They even have all their properties have a dog concierge that's there to greet you and has a little bed there in the front. So, um, at any rate, so when you check in, they will ask you uh, – yeah. Did you bring a pet? Uh, well, no. Well, would you like a pet? And you go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what you have in mind? Well, we can arrange to have a goldfish put in your room. All we ask is you give it a name. Uh, housekeeper will take care of it. You don't have to do so. Sure enough, they bring you this basketball-sized goldfish bowl, with goldfish, little pretty rocks and stones and so forth. And it's kind of neat on your desk, getting a live goldfish. And so I named mine Trixie. I thought that'd be kind of a cool name. So, so the next time you show up at the Hotel Monaco uh, and you give them your credit card and your driver's license, you know, the front desk clerk leans over and says, you want Trixie to come up and spend the night with you again? <laughs> <laughs> now think about, think about how fun that would be just for the front desk clerk. I mean, they do kind of quirky, quirky, whimsical kind of fun things, but it makes you go home telling the story. Guess what? You know, they had the wine and cheese party. Most most hotels will have like a six o'clock wine and cheese thing in the lobby, but not the Hotel Monaco. They have wine and cheese and they will add to it a mime, a magician, you know, a, a palm reader. You never know. It's going to be always something <laughs> unique going on. But that, the point is they're constantly brainstorming those very unique experiences that we can add. Simple, not expensive. But the little things that say, wow, this is charming. This is different. I'll come back for this. And so to me, they're a great example of a hotel that's been very successful by creating that little, small, unique things. Um, so I can go on and give you lots more examples, but that, you get the point. It's, it's all about that. Well, you know what that reminds me of, Chip, is uh, I was vacationing with my family, and we have two boys, and at the time they were pretty young, and they each had brought their 
various, you know, well-loved stuffed animals. And we, every time we came back at night for turndown service, these animals were having like an adventure. Oh yeah. (laughs) And we would walk in and they would have them, you know, the TV would be on, they'd be sitting on the couch, (laughs) they would have, you know, various snacks. There was one where they had, uh, rigged it so that one of the stuffed animals was zip lining using the cord from the curtains to the desk (laughs) and the other one was that so every night when we got back with the kids after this long vacation filled day they were so excited to see what their animals were doing and i thought it was just such a a lovely warm thing to do and i also uh you know the first night that we were there i even said to them at dinner, I was like, oh, no, we should have put away your animals because sometimes I worry they're going to be swept up when they're, you know, making the bed. And after that first night, we were like, we have to leave them out. (laughs) We want to see what they're doing. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a great story. And think about the other side to that from the employee standpoint. Now, I'm working for an organization, that hotel, that lets me do that. I'm working Mm -hmm. for an organization that says, come up with all kind of creative. And and then they start sharing each other. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. All of a sudden now they're talking about ways to take those toys and turn them into mm-hmm. an adventure for the kids. That's the kind of culture that where you get leadership support, leadership encouragement to do those kind of very unique things. And again, you're creating an, it's a leader created atmosphere of innovation. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think that's a quick thing you asked early on. Why don't more organizations do it? It means I've got to create a culture that will allow that, that will encourage that, that will nurture that. That's a tough culture for a lot of organizations and a lot of leaders who aren't just preoccupied with the bottom line. That's part of what they get paid to do. But their belief is the way we run an organization is with lots of discipline and order and rules and procedures and consistency and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here again, um, it's balance. Uh, you said Adam. Right. It's, um, also allowing that kind of opportunity for people to do it. It's not something you have to do all the time, but just enough for that customer to go, no, that's different. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they, they get online and they tell everybody, guess what happened to me? Right. All right. right. Cause it's that command and control. And I come from that. You know, I've, I've written a lot about empowerment yeah. in my sort of journey because I had a traditional MBA right. and a business degree. And I come from that command and control outlook. But, you know, trust what everything you're talking about is trust and empowerment. Exactly. Is, exactly. Right. Trusting your team enough to make. But that doesn't mean, to your point, there is still balance. It doesn't mean sure. that, you know, the housekeeper, the housekeeper gets to make wire transfers. Right. No. There's a line. No. And, <laughs> but, you know, the housekeeper is a good example because, you know, the famous example of Ritz Carlton authorizing the housekeeper to spend up to two thousand dollars to make sure a guest happy mm-hmm. is happy. They didn't start that. They didn't implement that. And I've done a lot of work with the Ritz Carlton. They didn't just send out an email to everybody saying, this is what we're going to do. You know, they provide the kind of support and background and thinking so that you want a housekeeper thinking like an owner, not just like, this is my job, like an owner. And so it's creating that special culture where, you know, it's not, sometimes people forget that empowerment doesn't mean unlimited license. It means responsible freedom. And if we just provide the freedom, do whatever you want, you know, without the sense of responsibility, the sense of stewardship, then you do get employees um, who go outside the boundaries 
Um, and then sometimes that's met with punishment rather than coaching. But it's helping people think that sense of it, it needs to be free. I need to be free, but I also need to be responsible as well. So it's service. Responsible. Yeah, it's service, <laughs> it's service with stewardship. Because if you just take care of the customer and not the organization, you lose. But if you just take care of the organization and forget the customer, you'd lose as well. So it is that balance that is so critical. Beautiful. Well, this has been fantastic. I just want to wrap up with one thought uh, from you. I'd like to hear you. We talked a lot about value unique and providing that. You know, if, if an organization is listening and they've been struggling with your customer experience and, and they really take this message to heart, how would you recommend an organization start transitioning if they haven't been you know, being value unique and empowering and doing these things? How would you recommend a organization or a leadership team start down that path? Start the I process. I think that's a great question, Adam. And I always advise senior leaders to get out of the mahogany row and spend time with your front line learning, 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 learning. Mm. You know, um, Bill Marriott had a great line. He said, you know, um, leaders don't visit associates to make them feel better. They visit associates to learn. And so it's treating, treating that front line as, a, as the scout that they are and saying, teach me about what you know about the customer. What are you hearing? What are the trends? What are their complaints? And then using that intelligence to make, to add to whatever other intelligence you had to make smart decisions. And I think what you do is you, you begin to create in the front line a recognition that they are valued, that they're important, and that their input matters. The good news is, if you continually ask the front line, what are you hearing? What matters? What doesn't, doesn't make sense, et cetera? They're going to pay attention to more details. They're going to be ready for the next time you ask that question and be even be even more uh, full of information and ideas. So I think it starts with that that um, treating that front line like the ambassador of the organization. They are the ambassador, the front line ambassador, and they're also the scout um, armed with incredible information about the customer. Well, I love your expression of getting out of mahogany row yeah. <laughs> because uh, one of my clients actually from years ago, and I won't say who, but they the way their campus was built, their corporate campus, the executives were all in the tower and everybody else was in the low-lying buildings around them. And I thought it was just such a <laughs> a physical example of what can happen in an organization where executives are literally held up and away from right. what's actually happening. So I love how you stress getting out of that headspace and going yeah. to the front lines. You don't, and you don't have to be an air traffic controller in the top tower, you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And well, this was fantastic. And I left with some good uh, phrasing oh, good. too. So thank you <laughs> my for that. Pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pleasure having well, you on. You and having I'm me. sure everybody can learn from this as well as all of your books and everything else that you do. So thank you for that. And if they do want to find you or reach out, what's the best way for our listeners to do that online? Probably chipbell.com. It's a website I can it's remember. Easy, <laughs> <laughs> easy to spell. Too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chip. We really, really appreciate you it. You bet. Thank you. Thanks so much. You Chip. bet. Thank you, awesome. sir. Well, I think it's time to innovate our service. What do you think, Adam? I think that is a great idea. And personally, I'm feeling value unique right now. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you are unique. 
and in your value. How's that? <laughs> oh, wow. That just seems like it's really one of those things that sounds good on the, on the surface, but it has a lot of meaning underneath it. <laughs> well, we had a great conversation. I'm sure everybody learned so much. And I really loved some of the takeaways around responsible freedom and value unique and all of those terms that he used. They're packed full of a lot of information. So we hope you got a lot out of this as well. But I'm pretty confident that you did with Dr. Bell. Yes, it was fantastic. Learned a lot. Talk covered a lot. So very good episode. And Jeannie, take us away. I am so pleased that you could join us, and we thank you for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, please check out C-Suite TV. Watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand, so get your insider secrets by going to csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Kapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersetstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.